0: Hello, hello, beautiful soul. Welcome to another episode of Unapologetically Abundant Podcast. I'm your host, petia Kolobova and today guest and the entire episode, I can promise you it's going to be really juicy. You will see very soon. We will dive into some beautiful, amazing topics that I know you are ready to hear. But before we will dive into the juicy nuts, I really want to welcome my today's guest, Julian Vaccaro. I'm so excited to have you, Julian. I told you I was stalking you online already. Your work and you are a heckiest person for me. Everything you're doing, everything you're embodying. If you hear this every day, hear it again. You are incredible and you are truly shifting women's lives. So thank you so much for creating the time and being
1: here today. Oh my goodness, of course. Thank you so much for that warm welcome. Just lights my whole body up. <laughs> so happy and honored to be here.
0: Love that. And let's keep it warm because right before we started recording, I asked you, what is your favorite place in the world? And I know a couple of them came up for you, but we I don't want to even say the word settle. We chose the <laughs> Thailand. So if you can just give me a few seconds and we can go into the Thailand together. So what I would love for you is just for a few moments, few brief moments, just take a deep breath and slightly close your eyes. And as you're closing your eyes, you can feel the sunshine on your forehead, just kissing your skin and you're starting to relax. And you're on this beautiful, beautiful, luxurious, yet simple boat. And you're on a Thailand waters and you're close to the shore, but still far enough to have this beautiful perception and seeing the white sand beach. And as you look down into the water, you can see flowers floating and you put your hand into the water. And as you put him in the water, you're feeling so relaxed and so happy and so fulfilled. You can feel the sense of freedom and godliness all around you. And you decide to go back to the shore in this beautiful, beautiful relaxed state. And as you get in a few moments back on the shore, you step into the warm sand there are little girls running around and one of them comes to you and she puts a necklace around your neck made with flowers that she made for you. And you're smiling at her and you just gently touch her long, beautiful hair. And she looks at you and she asks you, who are you? What is the one thing you would love this little girl to know Not what do you do, but who are you? Playful and freedom come up first. Wow. I love this. So beautiful. And I think it's really important, you know, keeping the freedom and playfulness in, in our life and also bringing it back as the reminder, who do we really want to be? There are so many things we can do. There are so many labels we can put on ourselves. But when we are around kids, we don't think about titles. We don't think about validation. We don't think about proving ourselves. When we are around kids, we just want to go back and run with them on the beach and play with those flowers and just, you know, like play and chase and you know, there is, there is this sense of timelessness and it's so beautiful that the playfulness and freedom comes to you like the first. Then I wonder, you know, I I feel like the playfulness is something that at least it was my case, we forget as we're growing up, you know, like we put so many masks and we start to like adulting and and pretend like everything is so serious. We forget to play Did you also have that moment in your life that you forget to play and get too
1: serious about life. Oh, yes. I would say the (laughs) majority of my life I spent out of play and freedom and in the own pressures of my self and from societal programs and familial ones. Um, It's funny, I feel like a lot of the human design or astrology readings or uh, interactions that I have with like. people that do readings like that are always like your job here is to just play and have fun and like through your pleasure you create and I'm like it's an awesome job or like an awesome soul's purpose to have cool (laughs) I love
0: that I love that that's beautiful and you said uh, something very important you know what I heard it's like I put pressure on myself why do you think we're so hard on ourselves? Because I know I I notice it in myself and so many of my clients, they're so hard on themselves that sometimes there are moments that I want to shake them and there are just moments I want to take them in my arms and just like breathe and relax. Like give yourself that permission. Why was it in your case and in your life that you feel that you were hard on yourself?
1: Mm, Yeah, I think... There were probably a multitude of reasons for that. Um, i'll give you the ones that stand out most for me right now. Um, I'm a virgo, so my birthday just passed as well, and I'm like this really birthday. Thank you. Um, like a perfectionist by just being in this body, birthed when I was, it feels like and so perfection perfectionism was always a thread for me. And then I feel that my childhood experiences and the family that I grew up in, there were a lot, of perfect, uh, a lot of expectations and ways of being, like ways of performing, ways of showing up that were instilled in me and my brother and my sister. And I think for me in particular, there was a, quite a lot of pressure to show up perfect through image. So, you know, you have to have your nails painted and you cannot leave if you have chipped nail polish and you have to wear the right jewelry. And if you don't like shame on you and everything's wrong here and you can't show your emotions and very much this like facade. Um, and my, my mother was an immigrant from Poland. And so I think that a lot of it stemmed from the, you know, this, like you had to be on your best behavior and you needed to show yourself in your best way. So I think all of that paired with societal programs of what it means to be a woman and the way that we are, you know, groomed through media to show up and to have our body look a certain way and our hair and our makeup and all these different pieces, um, it it felt like it was very much embedded in me from an early age and when those things weren't in place uh, facing physical or emotional abuse. And so it was very uh, like real in in my body. And so I I took that path into my own life and was in the fitness industry and the health industry for a lot of it. And being in the bodybuilding fitness competitor space, it just reinstilled a lot of that for me of, you know, a, a a sexy woman has these attributes and if you don't you don't place like you don't win and so it was this huge journey for me that I went on in the last decade and then unpacking all of those learnings and expectations around what it means to be a woman wow so I'm summarize like media societal programming mm-hmm. um, medical programming around sexuality and and all and relationships too Wow, thank you so much for sharing that. And I used to compete too, you know, I
0: did a couple of competitions and I'm like, I am done. Like for me, it was, you know, like I am judging myself so hardly. I don't need to go half naked on a stage and get judged by you, you know? That was like my thing because I feel like the workouts and the diet, like you get used to it, then you, you're doing it, you know? But I feel for me, it was just traumatizing to go on the stage and like, you are so many months dedicating to this so in a couple minutes they tell you you're not good enough i'm like well thank you this is what i keep telling myself for the last three decades like yeah. thank you for for like agreeing with me right so um it's so fascinating so i wonder When did you transition from that? Like, when did you realize, like, I don't want to be like other people are telling me to be? And how was it like to be changing
1: into who you are today with your family and with the people around you? Yeah, I think I've had many different turning points in my journey. Um, I, I would say that that was kind of turning point number two for me was exiting the The competing world. And to backtrack slightly, I had started out as a holistic health coach and was still very much acting from this wounded place and this piece of me that just thought I would have all of it if I had the perfect body and if I had the perfect image. And so I think a lot of me going into the holistic health coaching space and the nutrition realm and then eventually the fitness world was. If I can just like, if I can understand my body and can manipulate my body in this way, I will have all of the things. And so, once I did the health part, I kind of segued into the fitness side and tried to combine all of it. And coming from a history of eating disorders and, and body dysmorphia, it was, as you said, being up on stage was like a self fulfilling prophecy of, of course, you're not good enough. And all of the things that you don't like about yourself or have disowned, uh, about you are the things that are going to hold you back from placing. So there was a moment, probably about two years, two and a half years into my competing career, I guess you could call it where I was on the way home from target. And I would always like play this game with myself where I would go to target. Cause they're like, the, They've like all the seasonal snacks that you could ever dream of, especially when you're dieting and deprived. And so I would go there and play this game of, you know, if I buy it now, I can just save it until after. And it would never stay until after I would end up in this huge binge. And this one moment in particular, I went home and had bought, you know, a package of Oreos and a jar of peanut butter. And by the 10 minute drive I I got home was in my driveway. And I just almost remember like blacking out and having peanut butter all over my steering wheel and my gear shifter and like the whole box of Oreos and jar being like empty and just looking in the rear view mirror and saying to myself, like, for who? And for what are you doing this? And this is enough. Like all of these unhealthy habits that you, you know, thought you healed and there were layers of healing there resurfaced because you entered back into this, mm-hmm. this path. And so that was just a really big turning point for me. And I decided to compete that next weekend. And I, I think, you know, it was like, I got disowned by my coach because I didn't want to keep sacrificing. And so I said, I'll do this on my own and stepped out and started to peel back the layers of my relationship to myself, body and food.
0: Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that, you know, and 18 years of eating disorder right here healed. I'm, you know, so I, it's so much pain, you know, so much pain that goes through your body. And very often people cannot even see that on the outside, everything looks okay. You know, because you are like acting to that role, like, Oh, everything is good. I got it all together. We're trying to be in control. Mm-hmm. And then, on the inside and in the private, that's when you are really suffering and then you are feeling guilty and ashamed because people are like, well, you look good. Your life is good. So you have nothing to complain. It's it's like this never ending cycle. So I really, really acknowledge you for having that moment. And that's such a pivotal question, like for who, really? Am I doing it for myself? No, of course not. This is not what I want. Mm
1: Yeah, I think there was this moment where I was like, are you going to do this the rest of your life? Like there was that internal knowing of, you're not really going to do this the rest of your life. So when are you going to be done and throw in the towel? Wow. At the moment.
0: Wow. And this is not like throwing in a towel, like I'm giving up. This is like, no, I am finally giving in Mm -hmm. to myself. And it's so powerful. So I wonder where did it surface this, this femininity, you know, like, when did you start to discover that? Like,
1: why do you, like, why that was important to you? Yeah. It was such an important piece to me that I had no awareness around. Being in the space and the work that I do now, I've realized how much sexuality and femininity were a huge piece of that. Mm. But I didn't know—I didn't know it—and so my journey from that point started to really look at, okay, how can I combine my passions of holistic health and wellness and aesthetics? How can I actually build the body that I want, but from a place of love and fullness and Mm. uh, nourishment? And so through that path had many highs and lows but really did heal that and found my way of combining all of these practices into create the life and the body that I wanted but as I continued on that path it was as if I cleared the mountains that were holding the body dysmorphia and the eating disorders and the negative relationship to myself and my body and so I started to see all of these other like like mountains of areas that I needed to focus on that I just didn't have the space or capacity to see before that because I was so focused on what was directly in front of me. And so what was revealed were uh, patterns of abusive relationships, like ending up in the court system multiple times. And there was one relationship in particular that ended in a sexual trauma that was another really big breaking point. It was probably the biggest breaking point that I've had where, again, it was this moment of like, okay, here's another pattern that you've been in. Like it shifted from abuse with you to abuse with partners. And it cracked me open to actually really give me the space to dive into my childhood traumas and my childhood wounding that I had not given myself credit to actually own and feel because I didn't think they were big enough. Like I didn't think that my trauma was worth it. Yeah, this happened. And yeah, there was physical abuse, but like people have it so much worse. And so really giving myself the permission and the space to explore those pieces were huge for me. And through that exploration and that journeying, I realized how much the trauma was really living in my body. I had done so much talk therapy and counseling and coaching and made massive strides and breakthrough until I went back into the dating space and my body just completely locked down. And I wasn't able to be intimate with people because there was so much deep hurt and, 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 lack of safety in my body. And so that was how I got into the world of somatics and somatic sexological body work, which is what I'm a practitioner for now. And that really opened the world of femininity for me. And I started to see how armored I was, you know, physically from bodybuilding and from the muscle, but also my heart and how I had lost those parts of me that were soft and tender Mm -hmm. and really valued femininity. And so it was a huge process of redefining what it meant for me to be a woman and that femininity is strength and it's not weakness and in fact weakness is strength and all of this like rewiring of the feminine and it was just a huge dive into like the mother wound the sister wound recognizing how much shame and negative charge I had to my sexuality and how they're not like sexuality is not separate from the feminine and sensuality. Like they're all the same and how those pieces to me felt like it, it was the, like the glue that held all of these other pieces of my journey. Like it filled in all of those cracks. Like there was the eating and the substance abuse and the abuse, but it was like the pleasure and the femininity were like, the thing that held all of it together, that just like it needed to be plugged in with this piece to come fully alive and online.
0: Wow. (laughs) I love it. I just love it. It just flows like, you know, through you. And it's so beautiful because I just love when women really embody like who they are, because You being you give so much hope and permission to other women who are still suffering, you know, like who are still not facing their traumas. Um, Last year, we, we did a retreat in Bali and one of our participants, because we were doing inner child healing and one of our participants, she told me, my childhood, there was nothing bad. I don't remember. So there must be nothing bad. I was like, Hmm, if you don't remember, there must be something you don't want to remember. So we dove back, you know, we did hypnosis and meditation and she find out she felt like abandoned with her father and she didn't want to like forgive him. And luckily we healed that she saw him and Thankfully that she did because he just passed away just a couple of weeks ago, like unexpectedly, you know. So it's it's so important to go back. Very often when women come to me, they're like, I want to be there. Can you get me there? I was like, Yes, and let's go back first. Mm-hmm. So, how did you know that first you get to go back to the childhood? Like, was it something that you felt? Is it something that you read? Like was it your intuition? What was it that led you back? Because very often, like you said, you're like, well, it wasn't
1: such a big deal. Mm -hmm. I think that for me, there was always an intuitive knowing that the pattern of abuse in my partnerships were stemming from my childhood. Mm -hmm. But there was never... Mm, I was gonna say there was never a hit that was big enough for me to look, and I don't think that's true. I think there were plenty of opportunities, and I had peeled back layers slightly every time. Um, but in this specific case, and and um, I think we need to like normalize more of these conversations. So that, that sexual trauma that I mentioned in the end of an abusive relationship was a pregnancy that I later found out was like intentional. And I think everything is a co-creation, but there was so much like evidence and proof that he had, he'd planned it and I was moving. And so this, like this, this deep, uh, wound and betrayal in my womb was so deep. And I think it really made me look at family and my womb space and like where was I really scared to show this this struggle in my life um and so I think as I started to like go into that space and heal my womb and look at these pieces pieces of my own childhood just started to pop up like I remember once um an old journal had surfaced. And it was a journal from like 10 years prior. And there was a journal entry of like, vivid explanations of childhood abuse that had happened that I had just totally like not remembered. And so I think that it was very like divine. But also these pieces surfaced when I was ready to look at them. And through listening to podcasts and reading personal development books, and really just understanding that I was playing out these patterns based off of my childhood and never feeling safe and not ever really having like a healthy, positive relationship with my parents um, were all kind of pieces of that for me.
0: Mm, That's really powerful. And thank you so much for sharing that, you know, being so open. I really appreciate that. And so what do you think that women are missing right now the most? Like based through, you know, on your career and and your clients, what do you see in in world happening right now that women are really missing? Why they are not confidently in their feminine? Why they're not embodying them? Why they're still scared? a big question.
1: Uh, two pieces come forward to me. I think something something that I've really been working on in a lot of my own life and my own uh, coaching containers has been men. And so that kind of is like the, the loudest piece for me right now is like women need men. And I think that so many of us are so detached from our feminine because we don't have healthy masculine figures in our lives. And to, to be in our feminine, to really be in our feminine chaos and our eros and like full surrender, like who holds the fort? If we truly let go, like we need men there to feel supported and held and, and safe and provided for provided by. And so I think that like this piece of uh, disconnection with men and the masculine and holding so much pain and anger and resentment towards them has actually prevented us from fully stepping into our femininity. And I do think that's a lot of what happened to my own journey was like, well, men are just always wrong. And like, maybe daddy wasn't there and and like these masculine figures in my life growing up weren't important. So I armored. And so I think that so many women are are stuck in that same or a similar space of harboring so much pain, holding so much from the collective. And, and it is all real and it is all valid. And those feelings are just right. Like we've been uh, a suppressed group for so long, but now we've kind of like switched it. And now we're just like, shitting on men for a lack of a better term and so like i think that a lot of what we're missing is the piece of doing the shadow work around where we like emasculating men when we really need them but how can we also like first rebuild our feminine and rebuild our softness and drop into our hearts because without that piece how can we create the space for men to rise so i think that those are the two biggest pieces for me is is this like How can we give ourselves permission to to fully feel and experience the hurts of the past and the wounding of the past to really clear that, to be able to drop into our hearts and then open the space to be soft, Mm. to be tender and to know that it is safe in that and to then, you know, support and build our men and have them be like the grounding point for us.
0: Mm, That's so powerful. and So I wonder like if you know, we, we get in the back and we we like, you know, acknowledge our wounds and what happened and we sit with it. What are some ways that we can clear it?
1: How can we clear some of the past? Yes. So I I would probably say I'm biased because I am a somatic sexologist. And so a lot of what we do on, on the table, I have a massage table right next to me, but like been doing a lot of sessions and a lot of what we do is, and there's so many ways to clear trauma from the body. Uh, as, as you've heard my story, I think that a lot of my body was direct, a lot of my journey dealt directly with my body. And so for me, working with a healing modality that allowed me to get into my body and have it be a really physically experienced uh, physical experience was vital for me. Um, Basically the process is to complete the stress response, to complete the traumatic cycle that never got to complete from the original uh, incidences or experiences. So I think that somatic therapy is, is a beautiful way. Even if you don't have a practitioner, you can do this stuff at home. Like I do lead a lot of it virtually as well. It's really going into a sacred space that you can create for yourself to experience and embody the emotions that you're really resisting, like embodying the anger that you feel from your partner who betrayed you or going into the experience when your dad abandoned you and like really giving yourself permission and the space to embody that emotion, to feel it, to rage, to scream, to yell, to get out all of the the emotions that are there that are stuck in your body, but also all of the unspoken words so that you can clear the charge around those experiences and then show up in a more clear like sound way, if that makes sense.
0: Mm, absolutely, and I love that you said, like complete that, complete that circle very because very often we just want to cut it off, we want to forget it, you know, and very often, like we say like oh it wasn 't a big deal because there are people who are suffering more, but I think that any pain that is going through that we 're trying to ignore will keep surfacing, and that shows with us hurting ourselves hurting others let others hurt us because we think we deserve it because there must be something wrong with us so i love that embody the emotions that you are really resisting feel them and let them flow instead of trying to ignore them and they build in you and then we both know that builds this eases you know if you don't process it if you don't feel it it will come back to you and it will show in sooner or later in your life whether it's in your relationship or your health. Um, One more thing that came up for me that I would love to ask you. So we look at the past, we go through the emotions, we, you know, finish the complete cycle of the trauma. And now, how can we step into the feminine and attract the healthy masculine men? It's so I attracted the love of my life. I'm so blessed. So I I know what I did, but I want to hear you. Like, what are some things that women can do to attract healthy masculine men? That is going. I don't want to say complete them because I truly believe we are all whole. But I love that you say that we need men because. I was like, in the past, like, I don't need anyone. I got this. I can do this. I, I, I like, don't help me. I'm not weak. Like all these like old stories, right? So now I see differently. But for women who, you know, many of my clients are, you know, like single moms or they're single and they're after traumatic relationships. So they keep repeating the same pattern. So what can they do to attract the healthy masculine man?
1: what I see often is this huge rewiring and like rebuilding of the feminine. And then we like swing hard into the wild empowered feminine. And that's like modern archetype of a woman and it doesn't leave a lot of space for men. So I think that like the first couple steps I would feel are to really look at your own inner masculine and to look at like, how do you relate to the masculine but not just the masculine polarity but also men like what do you think of men a big part of that work for me was oh I'm not respecting them at all like I've lost complete respect how can you find a partner that you deeply love and cherish who feels like a match if you're not even respecting your men right so looking at that piece um and then I think you know looking at that within yourself how you're relating to your own inner energies but then bringing that out into the real world like how can you make men right everywhere you go like and how can you open up the space for men to be the you know the hero to serve you like like you said i don't need this help like let them open your door let them carry your groceries like how can you let them choose and be an expression of their healthy dominance. Like that makes them feel empowered and like they're serving you. And again, I think with like the modern feminine archetype, that's taboo. Like you shouldn't need that. You are independent, but but how can we be in our full feminine and full surrender and what feels actually probably really good for most of our systems if we're not giving them that space. So um, I think always doing the inner work around that, which always reflects in the outside, but taking that into the outside by, by finding men right around you.
0: Mm, that's so beautiful. I love that so much. And I, I could keep like talking with you hours and hours and hours and we want to keep it short so the girls can really take an action, but I wanted to ask you, what is one last thing on your heart that you would love to share with women who are still in their masculine, you know, who are still like Bill having their walls up and trying to hide behind them and pretending like they're strong and they don't need a man yet deep, deep, deep inside. That's what they truly desire. What do you, what would you like her to know?
1: That there's so much pleasure on the other side, that there's so much safety in the softness and openness through your tenderness and how scary it can feel to let go of that control and to really just be in a place of surrender. I think that those things are an illusion anyway, like control, safety, security, and they're they're they they've gotten us to where we are where you may be right now and they've may they may have served you but how much are they really serving you now and how much are they kind of just knocking your body down like how much are they creating stress and disease and bracing and clenching in your physical body and like what would happen if you let go of that and, and really moved from fear to love and trust and trust in you to know that you can always bring your sword back out when you need it to fight a fight but like you know what feels really good in your system um I feel is, is that softness for many of us
0: that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for all the work you're doing. Like I said, you are such a like soul shifter, life changer. It's so beautiful to see how you were able to go from you know the pain and really suffering into being empowered, yet soft and loving and gentle and giving the hope to women on what's possible when they surrender, when they relax, when they soften up so they can feel safe, even if we think it's illusion, but just being present and being in love with themselves and life and inviting the men and letting them be the hero. So it's, it's beautiful ladies, trust me. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. So I know I personally am stalking you on Instagram. I'm all over everything you're creating, but if people want to hang out with you, is there any other place that you would like them to go? Um, than just the Instagram.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I have a podcast called The Reclamation Project. It's on iTunes and Spotify. Um, that's my other like main platform outside of Instagram. And then my website is juliannevacquero.com. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much for everything and your time.
0: And this was, like I promised, it was juicy and it was so much pleasure. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on.